Girl Tries Life podcast where we give you tangible, actionable tips to lead your most vibrant life. Today we're on episode number 74 and we are joined by Calgary-based artist Melissa McKinnon. Now I've been a huge fan of Melissa's work for quite some time. If you you need to go to the show notes, if you're only listening to this online, you need to go to the show notes at girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast forward slash 74 to see Melissa's work in person. You can also go on Instagram and go to Melissa McKinnon Art and you will see exactly what I'm talking about. But basically, her artwork is so vibrant, so textured, so colorful. And the first time I saw it was actually on like a friend's Facebook feed and I adore adored it. So I've been following her online ever since. And one of the things that I found fascinating is that she really has built up this quality business around her artwork. A lot of people say, and Melissa says it's herself in the interview, it can be hard to make it as an artist. She was actually told in school that, you know, painting isn't going to make you any money. And yet here she is, she's got a thriving career. So in this interview, we talk a little bit about how she got into to painting and becoming an artist and the business side of things, how she balances her, you know, creative endeavors with the actual nuts and bolts business of making a living from her artwork. We also talk about what she's done when copyright has become an issue, when her work has been sort of stolen off the internet and from from China. So we talk about that in particular. We also talk about how anyone who's artistic can balance the various demands on their life, whether it's, you know, especially if you have young kids at home or just a busy family life, how do you balance that and having the mental and creative space that you need in order to to create artwork? Now, before we get started, I just want to let you know that the Girl Tries Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. Now, one of the really cool things about ATB is that they have this branch for the arts and culture, and I think it's super relevant for today's episode. So it's kind of like a clubhouse, an arts venue, and a financial institution all in one where Albertan creatives and cultural workers can come together. They have industry-specific banking services and career development resources because as a creative or an artist, it can be kind of hard to figure out exactly what works for you. So ATB understand the challenges that artists face because they are artists themselves. So I would head to atb.com and search for Arts and Culture Branch, or you can find it again on today's show notes. So again, we're part of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is a collection of podcasts made and produced by Alberta podcasters. So one of the ones that I want to let you know about today is called the I Don't Get It Podcast. So it's an award-winning podcast that offers a critical perspective on performances of all kinds. So if you actually head to their show notes, again, I will link to it in my show notes today. They look at all different kinds of artistic performances and basically give them a good critique. Theater, ballet, dance, opera, they cover it all. So I will link to it in today's show notes. If that's your kind of thing, you will absolutely love it. So again, today's show notes can be found at girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast forward slash 74. Now, if you are enjoying the Girl Tries Life podcast, one thing that I would ask before we get going is that you pause right now and leave a rating and a review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. It makes a huge difference. And to be honest, it really just makes my day to to read a review of the podcast and see what you guys are enjoying, who you're resonating with. And actually, that's a good place where you can suggest guests as well. So pause right now. Did you pause? Did you do it? Well, for those of you that did go and leave a review or a rating, I absolutely appreciate it. Thank you so much. You've made my day. Okay, without further ado, let's head over to the interview. 
Well, thank you so much, Melissa, for joining us on the podcast. We're so pleased to have you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. And I just have to say for our listeners, I am sitting in Melissa's living room surrounded by her artwork and I got to see her studio in person. So I'm kind of in my really colorful, happy place. So this is really amazing for me. So (laughs) thank you so much. I really appreciate that. So to give our listeners a bit of a background, like when did you start getting into like into art? Was this a childhood thing? Was this a adult thing? Yeah, I've, I mean, I've always been creative. I've been painting and making things ever since I was really little. To put it into perspective, there isn't a time in my life where I don't remember being involved in some sort of creative process. For me, when I was a child, I, I grew up with a single mom who worked a lot. So I spent a lot of time alone. And so for me, art became a refuge. Like it became something that I could do on my own, in my own space. And it took me away to yeah. another place. So it didn't really matter what was going on around me at that time. It it, it taught me the ability to, to create happiness and yeah. joy no matter what was going on. And so that to me has just, it's carried through my whole, my entire life. And, and that's still how I create today. Like it's creating what I'm, what I crave, what I'm looking for in life. So when you finished high school, you said you started work as a photographer? Yeah. So when I, I went to art school and even though I've always been a painter. And so in your first year at art school, you take a foundation year and you take a bunch of different classes to see where your, where your passion lies. And for me, I always found myself in, in, during my breaks in the painting studios and just in awe of what other people were creating and just being surrounded by the smell of oil paint and watching people be creative in their studio space. But for me, I like even then, the students that I talked to and the faculty members, they, they said, if you want to have a career in art, don't go with painting. Because painting is a dying art. Everything's been done before. There's, uh, like, especially in the art school realm, it's more conceptual, okay. right, when it comes to painting. And and so for me, I wanted to have a career. I wanted to be able to support myself. I wasn't sure if I would ever get married or have children or have a family. So I wanted to be an independent artist. And so therefore, uh, I didn't want to buy into that cliche of being a starving artist. I wanted to make a living and support myself. So I found myself drawn to photography and graphic design. And so that's what my degree is in. And shortly after, actually, while I was still at ACAD, I, I... I started making fine art photographs. I started taking on some portrait clients and shooting my first wedding. And then that kind of grew. It grew and it grew. And then after a few years, it was a thriving, successful business. And and it taught me a lot about owning a business, about marketing, about the business side of being an artist. Yeah. So there's the creative fulfillment. And then there's also the ability to create a career for yeah. yourself. And so I learned a lot from that. So when did you transition into painting? As like making the as decision, this is my career. Yeah. So, and all through that, like I said, ever since I was a child, I've always been painting and making things. And I've explored a bunch of different uh, mediums as well. Like I've done ceramics, I've done glass, yeah. I've done printmaking and photography. And so I've always been creative um, and always painting. However, during that time, I, I, I never shared my work, mm-hmm. especially my, like painting for me is very personal. And so up until that point, I I had never really shown anybody. It was just something I would do on my own as a way to work through life and for enjoyment. And it wasn't until I was pregnant with my first daughter that 
well, I made the decision to let the photography business go because I was working a lot of summers, evenings and weekends. And so starting a young family, it really made me question the quality of life that I wanted to have moving forward. And for me, being a mother is, you know, the best job there there could ever be. And I wanted to be part of my children's lives. And so especially once they got to school age, I want to be there with their summer vacations. And as a family, we love to travel and Mm -hmm. to have that freedom and flexibility. It's just that the lifestyle of a photographer didn't fit the vision yes, completely of life that I had. to what you were yeah. hoping for. Yeah. Yeah. Especially at the time I was looking at more documentary style photography and destination weddings and yeah. uh, you know, it's a different lifestyle. It's yeah. not something that necessarily coincides with having a small family yeah. or, or a family of small children. So I kind of let that go. I was a stay at home mom for a while. And I mean, with having a young child at home, you don't have a lot of free time. You spend a lot of time, you know, I feel like I was living in a haze for probably the first few years. I have two girls and they were born fairly close to each other. And so it was like a a few years of sleep deprived haze that I was living in. But I felt that I, I mean, you dedicate so much to your child, to this infant that's so dependent on you, that I felt like I was losing a sense of myself. And so I went a little bit stir crazy, I guess, in a sense. And so my husband was like, at the end of a long day, he'd come home from work and, and I would just look like a deer in headlights. He's like, honey, you need to um, maybe go do yoga, go, go to a yoga class. You need to, you know, maybe go and and make something, be creative. Like you need to do something for yourself. And at that time, self-care was not a priority for me. And so I think it was around my birthday that he created a space for me in our, back then it was an unfinished basement and he set up my easel and put my paints kind of in the a corner of the unfinished basement. And he set up a little private studio space for me. And he said, look, here's a private space. It's quiet. You, you know, while the baby is napping or when they go to sleep at night, anytime you feel compelled to be creative, here's a special place for you and no one will disturb you. And that's yours. And so that's really when it started for me. I started mm-hmm. to see painting as something that I could do on a back then it wasn't a daily basis but it was a more frequent basis Mm -hmm. so whenever she was sleeping or whenever I had a a spare time I could go down there and just let go like let let the stress of everyday life and and the overwhelm and the you know and just channel my creative energy into something else so I think that was was, she was born in 2009 so around 2010 11 maybe yeah is is when I started painting regularly yeah and then I professionally I think it was 2012 yeah yeah it's so important I think for mothers especially to find that thing that makes them feel like themselves yeah because we can get so wrapped up in our families and not not that we shouldn't but you need to find that spark that is still you yeah and so so you just don't fall down the rabbit hole kind of thing that's right yeah because uh, I mean especially if you I mean, you give so much to your children, you want the best for them yeah. and you, you want to give them everything that they need, especially when they're so young that, and it's a full-time job. It doesn't end. It doesn't end, <laughs> right? It's 24 hours a day. Even I'm now. nodding. I'm nodding. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, you're, yeah. you're 38 weeks pregnant, so you, yeah. <laughs> yep. you're in it. You are yeah. in it. Yeah. So I, I agree. I think it's really important that you find something that 
can feed you yeah. that fills your soul back up because you're giving so much on a daily basis yeah. that you need to replenish that somehow and for me that's that's art like for me my happy place is making something and being creative for me it's like um like a meditation a, a place where I can just recharge yeah so when did you talked about the fear of showing your art to anyone yeah obviously <laughs> you had to get over that to make this a career what was that yes. first uh, you know what I think it's uh, a couple of different things came together for me and I learned along the way so I think the biggest hurdle I was able to get over was when I was running a photography business so when you're taking especially portraits right yeah. so if you're taking pictures of somebody else right and it's an important milestone it's their family photographs their newborn baby their wedding day right it's one of the most in- in important times in this person's life yeah. so I can approach it as an artist and create the most beautiful creative engaging emotional photographs that I could possibly possibly make mm-hmm. but ultimately it's not for me it's for the customer it's a gift to them um, that's capturing their memories and their moments and so that allowed me to take a step back and to create some distance between myself as the artist and the product that was like the the and the art that was created yeah and so I, th- I learned a lot running that business. I also, as I mentioned before, I learned a lot about the business, yeah. uh, the accounting, the bookkeeping, the customer service, the just the day-to-day management of tasks that are over and above the process of being creative and marketing, right? Marketing, getting your name out there, getting a, showing your work. A huge part of that is showing the work yeah. because that's what people connect with. And that's why they will come to you, whether it's photography or whether it's a fine art. It's You're creating that emotional connection with the, with the viewer, with the end customer. And so that was a big part of it for me. And I think, I think artists or creative people in general tend to be more sensitive and tend to be more open. Mm-hmm right? Because that's what allows them to tap into their emotions, tap into the world around them and to use that energy to create something new. And so I find that it's a very vulnerable place to be in. And you need that openness and that sensitivity to be able to create something new out of your experience. But the vulnerability that comes when you're putting that out into the world, especially with fine art, you know, you're putting it out there to be critiqued or to be judged or whether it's good or bad. And I think in my when I was younger, I was really concerned on whether my work was good. Yeah. Was it good art? Is it worth selling? Is it worth people viewing? Will people like it? And that to me was all external. It was Mm -hmm. all external validation. And somewhere along the way, and you know what it was? It was, uh, I think it was the fact that when I had my studio, when my children were little, I was creating just for me. Yeah. I wasn't creating to sell anything it didn't I never I never intended to be a professional painter I I I mean even in art school they said you'll be a starving artist there's no you'll never make a living at it so it was something that I started doing for myself and it just so happened that this is an interesting story so as a new mom I not a lot of self-care my husband went to Edmonton on a business Mm -hmm. trip and um, my mom was watching our daughter so I went with him to sort of get a weekend away and that weekend it happened uh, it so happened that there was a huge blizzard and I wasn't I mean it was a huge whiteout I wasn't even able to go across the street to the coffee shop right so I'm here I am I'm stuck in this hotel I'm I was happy as can be just to be there and just to get some peace and quiet 
but I was there in this hotel room and I was thinking about the the work that I was creating at home and and painting and kind of how I where I wanted to go with it and because I had started completing a few pieces and it was all in the same series it was the start of my Aspen and Birch Tree series and I thought you know what I'm going to start a blog I was reading a lot of blogs and I wanted to connect I was connecting with obviously lots of other mothers and and young families but I thought I I don't really know a lot of artists like Mm -hmm. especially in the city where I live and so maybe I'll start a blog and that's how I started my current my well my old website that I have and it was on a whim it was on a whim on a Saturday afternoon stuck in a hotel room and I think I had three or four paintings at that time to share and I thought you know what at the very minimum, I'll connect with somebody else. Like I'll connect with another artist and share my work, put it out into the world, maybe get some feedback and maybe, maybe one day sell a painting so that I can afford to buy more paint, right? Because, you know, it's, paint's not cheap and, <laughs> yeah. you know, my husband sees all the stuff, all the supplies that I have and it's, you just hope to be able to f- like to feed your hobby. Yeah. And, um, and then it grew from there. Once, once I put my work online, it and I did it for me, I wasn't looking for feedback. I wasn't looking to sell it. There wasn't any pressure associated with it. And the feedback that I received was so overwhelming and so positive. And it still is to this day. Like yeah. I, I don't, I've, I haven't encountered any haters so far, yeah. knock on wood. But people are so... Um, so kind and yeah. so generous with their feedback. And, and I think it's the like the joy that I get from creating goes into the work. And if you look at the style of paintings that I make, they are very bright and vibrant and they give off a feeling of joy and happiness and optimism. And it's what I feel like the world needs more of. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So, (laughs) and I think people can feel that. Yeah. And so that's, that's the feedback that I receive. Yeah. And so I think once that started happening, the fear of, putting myself out there yeah. diminished because it became more about making beautiful work yeah. that inspires other people. Yeah. It's not about whether it's good or bad. So did that make it tricky to transition? Cause you've got your Aspen and Birch series and then landscapes and florals when you were sort of launching a new series, like how did your fans react or, or did you worry about that? Or was it again, starting from a, this is what I want to do for me. Yeah, as a professional, it started off with the Aspen and Birch Tree series, and that series has still continued to this day. And I, I do a lot of commission work for, for customers around the world in, in that particular series. So I, I would say at this point in my career, that's what I'm most well known for. Yeah. But along the way, I mean, just being inspired by life, yeah. just being inspired by different experiences and traveling and, and meeting new people, seeing different cultures. As an artist, I feel the need to express myself in different ways. And for me, especially my work, it's less it's less about the subject matter than it is about the feeling or the emotion that it that it portrays or yeah. that, that I'm creating. And so for me, it was, it was really intuitive to transition from Aspen and birch trees into say a series of landscapes. Yeah. And some of the first landscapes I did were reactions to events that were going on in the world. Like, and I believe it was 2013, the, the big flood, yeah. the Southern Alberta flood that we had. So I was asked to create a painting for a charity event that would help support the victims of, that had lost their homes yeah. and, and everything they owned in the flood. And so I thought, well, what better way than to capture that in a landscape? And so um, it's called High Water. You can see it on my website. And um, it's kind of this 
ominous dark and stormy sky with the the Bow River and it's um, using color and thick texture you see the the water starting to engulf the land and so that was a really powerful painting people reacted really strongly yeah. to that as well because it it communicates that feeling of it it's still a really beautiful painting but it honors the the world that we live in yeah and so and from mm, let's see also for me like landscape there's something especially living here in southern Alberta the sky the view of the sky we have in the prairies is a 180 degree view of this magnificent sky and so as an artist I'm really drawn to color and light and so what better way to experience that is out in nature looking at this amazing sky and the quality of light changes mm-hmm. every couple of minutes, especially here in Calgary. We can have all four seasons in one day. And so <laughs> yeah. our skies are so dramatic. Yeah. And and for me, that's inspiring. And I think that's something that everybody can relate to. Yeah. I think at some point in our lives, we've all had seen a sunset that just takes our breath away or sailing on the ocean that just gives you this sense of, of something bigger than yourself yeah. that, that I just love. I'm so inspired by that. Yeah. And so I feel the need to create to capture that yeah. and to create that. And it's just an evolution. Yeah. It, I don't think it's something that I necessarily think of or it's a conscious choice. It's just, I feel inspired and, and I try something. And if it works, then I want to explore that and push it a little bit further. What else can I capture? And you capture skies so beautifully in the clouds of the light. And I, this is my non painting background. Like, do you take a picture in that moment to kind of try and capture or is it literally just the picture in your mind of how the light looks in that moment? Yeah, that's a really good question. That's a really good question. So especially with the background in photography, I, and traveling. So when I travel, I take tons of photographs. And if I see something that's inspiring, I'll photograph it. So I have archives of hundreds, if not thousands of photographs of landscapes or things that I find beautiful. And now with cell phones. I mean, I have a camera in my pocket at all times. And so I'm constantly taking pictures of things that inspire me. That being said, when I'm in the studio and I'm, you know, about to start on a painting, I don't refer to to photographic references. Very, very, very rarely will I refer to a photograph unless yeah. it's a specific a specific place that okay. I need to like capture. a commission or something. A commission. Yeah. So for example, I had a, um, one collector commission a piece from the coast of Nova Scotia and the way yeah. the rocks are formed is a very specific formation of rocks. Yeah. And so aside from the rest of the painting, those rocks need to be representative of that yeah. particular place. Other than an instance like that, it's the act of taking photos is almost like just gathering inspiration. And then taking a photograph allows me to compose the landscape, see what's important in that landscape and and distill it down into what I want to capture. Once that process is done, though, I leave the photographs to the side and just rely on my my memory or my intuition. Also, the painting that I create, like I may start a painting with a particular vision or a particular idea in my mind. I want to capture the light of a sunset with, um, you know, a soft blue sky, but then the the colors of the clouds starting to change, right? So I might have something like that, an idea in my head. But once I start mixing colors and I start putting the brush or the the palette knife onto the canvas, the process just takes on a life of its own. And so I may end up with a completely different painting than what I started with. But it's even better than what I could have, what yeah. I imagined in the first place. So I think 
if you're tied to a photograph, I wouldn't be able to have that experience because you're, you're trying to recreate something that existed once, but it no longer exists. And I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not particularly interested in creating photographic replications of yeah. the landscape. It's more about feeling and emotion and yeah. the way that the actual paint, right? Like areas of soft blended color juxtaposed with these thick piles of impasto texture using a palette knife, you know, and I, I love that push, push and pull and that contrast. So depending on what's happening on the canvas, I can go with it and let it evolve. And it, the end result is always way yeah. better than it would have been if I was just trying to copy a photograph it's, it's funny because it, it's making me think of experiences I've had in writing fiction where it's kind of like you think you have a plan mm. and then all of a sudden you just get this new piece of information that comes into your head from your character or whatnot and you're just like oh that's what's gonna happen now. right and it is like you're saying that experience of like it's great to have that moment of discovery through yeah. your art yeah yeah no that's well a, and with writing yeah. like your character comes alive yeah they they develop a personality and a history and events in their life that make them unique yeah same with a painting right this landscape even though it may be inspired by a place near where I live or a place where I vacation to or had a memorable experience at when it comes time to create the painting it it becomes its own yeah. place you know inspired by reality but it's like a it's like landscapes reimagined oh I love it so your work is absolutely stunning but are there times in your life, I feel like a lot of artists might struggle with this. If you're going through a difficult time emotionally, a loss of a loved one or a mm. rough time at work or anything like that, do you find it difficult to create in those moments? Or is that when you escape into creating? Yeah, you know, that that's an interesting question as well. You know, and especially when you're talking about like the loss of a loved one or, or a you know, a big change in life. It, it, it sometimes there's there's a time that you need to take. Yeah. You know, just to experience that and to feel it. But for me, I feel like ever since I was a child, art for me has been that refuge. Art for me has been that meditative process where where I can work through feelings, whether mm -hmm. I'm happy and proud and excited and embarking on something new and exciting versus times of challenge and heartache or heartbreak and yeah. like for me it's it's just a process of working through that and yeah. so for me art has always been there so there's never been a time where I haven't been creative or I haven't been able to work through something I don't I don't really experience like for writers there's writer's yeah. block and I know I know a lot of painters who go through phases where for months on end they can't create mm -hmm. they can't make anything new a lot of artists wait for the inspiration to yeah. come and so I think Picasso has a quote that um, he said that inspiration comes when you're working so and that's for me especially now being a full-time artist this is my profession this yeah. is my career I wake up I go to the studio and I create and you need to be working yeah and so for me it's uh it's an added benefit that I'm able to work through my own internal emotions yeah. <laughs> as I'm as I'm creating. Yeah, like this painting, for example, I'm I'm pointing to one uh, of a floral piece that I have hanging in my living room. That piece I did after my 
grandmother passed away. Mm -hmm. And so she was the one that I have a story on my website that like when I was about eight or nine years old, the same age that my oldest daughter is now, I was rummaging through her basement and I found this old set of oil paints. And I think it was from one of my aunts or my uncles from when they were in university and, Mm -hmm. you know, had to take an art elective or something like that. And they were old and some rusty old palette knives. And I brought that up to my grandma and I said, you know, what are these? Can I have them? Mm -hmm. Right. Because I'm using a box of Crayola at home yeah. like I want I want some real artist paints and she's British and I, she had a, a really amazing dry sense of humor and so I think to her she was she was being tongue-in-cheek but she looked at me and she said now these are very very precious special high quality paints you know <laughs> did I mention they were all old yeah. and, and yeah. rusty and she said you can have them but only if you create something if you promise to create something beautiful with them and so she sent me home with these paints and these two palette knives and I still have the two palette knives I don't use them but I have them just as a as a memento and so she was such a special woman to me and she like throughout my whole life she I would say that she's the one that showed me unconditional love Mm -hmm. throughout my life so when she passed away this was a few years ago it was it was heartbreaking it was heart-wrenching to lose someone of that magnitude of that that presence in your life that made such a difference like I am who I am today because of her Mm -hmm. and it was such a great loss and my father-in-law had sent a bouquet of flowers he lives uh, on the other side of the country and he had sent a beautiful bouquet of flowers and a beautiful handwritten note and I was just so touched by it that I I felt that I wanted to capture that. And so this painting came from, it's of that bouquet of flowers. So it is of something that, of something that was real, but the, like you can see that the energy in it and the first few layers, she fought in World War II. She has this, she was a high commanding officer in the British army. She, you know, she was a commander in the air force. Like she, she was in charge of doing all the mathematical equations to, to shoot down German planes. And I mean, she was amazing force of nature, a force of nature, this woman. And to meet her, she was the sweetest little British grandma with a wicked sense of humor, (laughs) you know, that this, and she raised five kids on her own as a single mom working a retail job like this this woman was so incredible and that I didn't get to appreciate until much older in life and so this painting tells that story Mm -hmm. like the under layers are of army green and really rough and raw and and jagged and then there's something beautiful that comes on top and there's even bits of crushed glass that show that glimmer and that sparkle because she loved jewelry and like it's just such a representation of who she is and to me that's that captures exactly who she is yeah and she had a love of flowers and we my whole childhood was spent in her garden. Yeah. I, my love of gardening and of nature comes from my grandma. So, so, so to me, that's the beautiful thing about creating yeah. is that you can take, it doesn't matter the darkness and the, what's going on around you is that you can choose to find beauty in any situation. Yeah. Like you have the choice. Um, I learned it through yoga and I learned it through meditation and yoga and I learned it through art is that happiness is a choice. Yeah. And to me, I think that's why I create such beautiful, optimistic, joyful paintings is because that's the way through the yeah. other side. That's the way through these hard, hard times is working through it and just trying to find something that you can hang on to. And for me, it's, it's gotten me out of some dark places and uh, it's always gotten me through to the other side so even now if I'm in a in a time where life just seems really hard or really down or um just you feel defeated I know 
I know through experience that that'll end and that I'll be able to come out the other side. It just may take some time and yeah. it may not be pretty like yeah. <laughs> while you're going through that, but I know it'll come full circle again. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit to Kay. the sort of business side of being an artist yeah. um, that we had kind of talked about. You have wisely embraced, so, embraced social media as a strategy, whether it was through the blog initially or through Instagram now. Do you enjoy the business side of being an artist? I do. Yeah. I really do. I think I enjoy... I enjoy it almost as much as I do the creative process yeah. because for me, the, the, the process isn't complete until the painting finds it's like finds an, the owner who, mm-hmm. or the owner finds the painting and there's such a sense of fulfillment and joy for me as the artist mm-hmm. when someone sees a painting and they love it so much that they want to make it theirs yeah. and they love it just as much as I do. Sometimes even more, I'm not sure, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so that's such a, such a sense of, I feel so much gratitude yeah. when that happens. And so um, sharing my work with the world, you know, which once maybe I would shy away from when I was younger yeah. and now is is such a great, great feeling. And that's what I love so much about social media in particular is that I can share daily updates. Mm-hmm. I can be in the studio and if something, I mean, whether it's a challenging day or whether it's, you know, I feel magic is happening, mm-hmm. I can take a photo, quickly post it and get instant feedback. And for me, that's that's wonderful because yeah. I can connect with other artists. I can connect with people who enjoy my work. And the greatest compliment that I get is, you know, comments or messages about just that it makes people feel happy. And so if I can do that on a daily basis with yeah. something as simple as a photo on social media yeah. is to make somebody's day brighter because of something that I'm doing in my studio that brings me so much joy. It's wonderful. It's an amazing yeah. time to be an artist. Yeah. Yeah. What's the biggest lesson you've learned in the business side of being an artist? Mm. Like when it comes to social media or whichever. Mm. I'm just, I'm for the listeners, Melissa did share yeah. this like great story of her work being knocked off in China. So oh. I don't know if that's a story <laughs> yeah. or like. Um, well, yeah, that's that's interesting. I guess I have a couple of things to say. I guess for for anybody who is wanting to put themselves out there, whether it's a whether they're creatives themselves or yeah. or trying to do something else, is is take that risk, take that leap of faith and just share what you're doing. Mm-hmm. There doesn't, there doesn't have to be any plan behind it. I know some, some artists or some people have such, you know, long marketing calendars that they book and schedule. Everything is organized, but for me, it's, it's more on a whim. It's something I, I document my daily process yeah. in the end. It'll be something amazing to share with my children and my grandchildren as they get older, they yeah. can see the evolution of my career. And so I feel like as long as you're being genuine and authentic, people will connect with that. So it's not so much about whether your work is good or not. It doesn't matter. It's subjective. Yeah. It's a creative process. It's, it'll never be good or bad. It just is. And so utilizing social media to share your work, to share what you're passionate about, you will automatically find other people that share your passion. And that's the purpose. So if you're an aspiring artist, I'd say embrace it, be genuine, be authentic, and just put your work out there because you never know. I never thought I would have a career where I ship paintings all over the world. And I have a wait list for commissions almost a year long. So it can happen. The second thing is just staying along with the being genuine and authentic is you don't need a huge following to have a full-time career as an artist or a writer or what have you. Um, I know, I know many artists that have 15,000 
30,000, 60,000 followers on Instagram that can't make enough to quit their daytime job, let alone make enough money to support their family. And so the idea of buying followers or buying, like using bots to encourage people to follow you, that's not an indicator of success. You can have thousands and thousands of followers, but if they're not the right people that are following you because they love your work or they connect with it in some way, it's not going to translate. Like people can feel that. So I say, just, just be true to yourself, share what inspires you and it'll evolve. It'll grow organically. Back to your story about China (laughs) and knockoff prints. Yeah, that's, that's, that's something when, when you get to be, when your work gets to be known to a certain level, that tends to happen. You have other artists who are inspired by your work and maybe copy it a little too closely. So I, I, I've encountered that before, which is, which is fine. I think it's an honor to be an inspiration to yeah. somebody. So that's great. And I'm inspired by other artists and uh, but when they're selling it, but when they're <laughs> selling it and it's an exact replica of yeah. what you've created, that's crossing the line. Yeah. And so I, I received a, well, I started receiving emails from customers or potential customers asking me for prints. They said this, I'd like to buy this particular painting in a print. It's sold out. And I said, I don't sell prints. So <laughs> where did you see this? And they would send me links to these big box stores. And I remember there was a collection available at Joss and Main, which is a big like home decor website in the United States. And they were selling prints of my work, exact replicas. It even had my signature on it. So, so basically what, what I can infer is that they took images off of Instagram or Pinterest, social yeah. media, and started making prints of, of it. And then not Joss and Maine, not Joss and Maine. No, because yeah, they, because Joss and Maine, like any of these big box retail stores, they buy from a distributor who buys from a supplier who buys from, you know, a a city in China from a certain factory. And then by the time, and and they only buy a certain amount at a time. So maybe they buy 5,000 or 10,000 prints and then they sell it, it sells out. And then that's the end of it. Then they move on to whatever, the next thing that's in fashion. And so when I realized that was happening, I mean, at first you feel, you feel violated as an artist because you're thinking that's not, uh, they didn't ask for permission and that's, that's not my work. And, and, and for me, I was thinking, well, what kind of quality are they printing? Because if they're taking these little tiny digital files off of social media, like those are web resolution images, they're not good quality images and they're, they're making prints. And so I can't, I I don't even know how many people around the world have copies of my work and and if it's not printed beautifully or it's not a representation of my work I feel like that's a reflection on me as the artist and and the fact that other people are profiting from my creativity I feel like as much success as I've I've achieved up until this point it's been a long road and it's not easy to be an entrepreneur let alone a painter (laughs) who's creating work because not only do you have the creative journey of creating all of this artwork but then you need to share it and market it and run a business it's and I'm a one-person show right now like uh, I could use a few assistants but it's all me like I'm relying on myself so uh, it's a it's a lot of work and to just have somebody take that from you is is disheartening so my solution is if you can't beat them join them (laughs) so in the next couple of months I'll be coming out with a new line of prints Mm -hmm. I've spent geez several months almost six months working with different printers and different manufacturers to find one that can produce a jacle print on canvas that's looks and feels as close to the original painting as possible and so I'll be coming out with that line of prints and 
the I, I've decided to to use my art for good. Since I had never intended to release a line of prints, and other other people were profiting yeah. from the sale of prints of my work, I did I did a bit of soul searching and to see if there was a way that I could use my prints for good. And so I've decided to take. Uh, a large portion of proceeds from every print sale and donate it to a charity that I'm passionate about. And so that way I feel like I can serve a, a section of the market that not may not necessarily be able to afford an original, yeah. but still wants a beautiful, joyful, inspirational work of art in their home. Mm-hmm. They It makes beautiful artwork accessible to everybody. And then it's for a purpose. Mm-hmm. So that money is going to help the lives of other people. And so to start off with, I've chosen a nonprofit organization that supports children in foster care. And so my husband and I about a year and a half ago unexpectedly became foster parents and that experience completely changed our lives and it changed the way that I see the world. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is using proceeds from the prints, I'm going to provide art supplies to children in foster care and eventually some in-person workshops yep. to give these kids that have experienced so much heartache and trauma in their lives, giving them the ability to create with having accessible materials. And again, with some in-person workshops, giving them a positive outlet for them to express their emotion and the trauma that they've been through and use it as a way to create beauty through something that through a very difficult time in their life. Through that, I hope that I'll be able to share my love of art and what what being creative and making art has given me in my life to be able to share that with someone else and to give them a tool to work through that the difficult times in life I feel is is really close to my heart yeah and I've seen firsthand what you know what these kids have gone through and and there's a big need for it Mm -hmm. yeah well I for one cannot wait until your prints are available (laughs) and the fact that it benefits a great cause is just icing on the cake yeah like yeah that's fantastic So have you ever struggled with the balance of sort of like family life and finding that mental creative space that you need to paint? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well like I said, when my girls were young, yeah. it was, it was, it was a haze for several years. <laughs> and, and for me, it was just finding time, yeah. like just finding little pockets of time that I could be creative. But the biggest struggle I think for me is not feeling like you can be a hundred percent in every aspect of your life. And that's a big struggle. I feel like that's, I feel like it's an impossible, unrealistic goal to achieve, but nonetheless, I still feel compelled to aspire (laughs) to be a hundred percent to everybody at all times. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves as women, don't we? Yeah, Yeah. it, it is. It is. And especially, you know, with a career that's growing Mm -hmm. substantially every year and with more and more demand, I feel compelled to, well, plus it's something that I love that I would do anyway, but I feel compelled to, to support that, the growth of my artwork and, and to see where that's going to lead me. And then now my children are in school full time. So I have some dedicated, like, thank goodness. I remember the day that they went, they started, they both started full time school. And it was a day, like I did a dance of joy. (laughs) Oh, because finally for the first time ever, I was able to have a dedicated time to paint. Like, you know, eight hours a day, like a regular job. Yes. 
you know, because before that it was painting during naps and then, you know, from your productivity went through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, even your alertness, I mean, when you're sleep deprived new mom and you're painting (laughs) until three, four in the morning, it's just, who knows? Like I'm I'm surprised that I was able to create what I did. Yeah. And now, so anyway, now I have a dedicated space, a dedicated work hours. And so I've been able to separate the two. So when it's time to go into the studio in the morning, I say goodbye to the kids. They go off to school. I go into the studio and I focus and I know I have a very limited amount of time and I channel all my energy into the studio. And then I need about a half hour transition at the end of the day to transition from being creative into the time before my kids get home. And then once my family walks in the door, I am in a mental and emotional space that I can welcome them home and dedicate it a hundred percent of my energy to them. And then after bedtime, I can, I have the freedom. I I have um, a studio in my home. So I have the freedom to go down and and continue working if I want. So that's really nice. Yeah. You are a avid traveler. Yes. (laughs) What (laughs) destinations have like most inspired your work? Oh my goodness. Well, my, oh, my first, so hmm, what's a good (laughs) way to answer this? Uh, I know it's not a fair question. No, it's it? not. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, there's so many amazing places and it's so hard to pick just one or two. I think I've been to almost uh, like around 30 countries. Nice. So I've, I've had the opportunity to see a lot of the world. And again, like my life motto is I can be, I can find inspiration anywhere. Yeah. So my first trip was when I was 16. I went with some, some friends from school backpacking through Europe. And that was the first At time. 16? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So we went to Greece and we went to Italy. Yeah. And that was the first time I think I had ever seen like an original painting, let alone from the masters. Yeah. And so I was immersed in art and I was always creative growing up, but to see it in person and just to revel in the paintings and the sculpture that, and the architecture and, and just the, the beautiful of design. The water in Greece. And... Yeah. And, and like the fashion and the, yeah. the people, the food, the, I mean, there's just so much and it's so dense. So I feel like for art, a lot of major European cities have such incredible art. Yeah. Like I took a trip last year. Oh, I, I did a, I, I took a trip last year to paint in Italy with a group of other artists. And I added on a week beforehand just so I could go to Paris. So I could go to the Musée d'Orsay and see some of my favorite paintings yeah. in person. And so that to me was worth a trip to Paris. Yeah. It was just to see this artwork. So I have my favorite cities based on art. I have my favorite cities based on food. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the most interesting places that I've been that not a lot of people think to go to would be Morocco. Yeah. Have you ever been to Morocco? It's on my list. I have a colleague just came back from yeah. there and she loved it. It's it's incredible. It's so different from our life and culture here yeah. in Canada. And you go there and being in the old town in a city like Fez, you feel like you're being transported yeah. to another world, especially as a creative person or a writer like the I'd be interesting. I'd be interested to see the inspiration that comes from that because it's your senses are overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. You're bombarded by the sights and the smells and the, oh my goodness. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. I would say Morocco. Will we be seeing some Moroccan influences in your upcoming work? You know what? It's interesting because everywhere I go, like I said, I find little snippets of, of things that inspire me, whether it's a on the island of Burano in Venice, there's they're known for making handmade lace. And so the patterns and the texture are so beautiful and intricate yeah. I, I that that would never consciously 
come out in my work. But I was thinking the other day, I was looking at one of the skies of a landscape that I was working on. And the way that the texture of one of the layers was overlaid on top of the color below, there were these little pockets and openings through through the layer of texture where the light and the color from underneath was shining through and it reminded me of being in Burano late in the evening in the golden hour when the sun yeah. was 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 shining through and I was uh, this was out on this on the street and there was a, a stall or a you know one of the shops had some of their works outside and I just remember seeing that and so seeing my painting it reminded me of that so even though it's not intentional I yeah. think that inspiration just flows through yeah. life right you, life is inspired by art and art is inspired by life and I think there's just a push and pull that yeah. constantly flows back and forth I love it. You're making me so happy right now. <laughs> so for the five questions that I ask all my guests, the first one is, and we may have already touched on it, but what are the things or the projects that get you fired up in a really good way? Oh man, travel for sure. Yeah. For sure. Making creativity, being inspired by what's around you, looking for inspiration, yeah. choosing choosing happiness, choosing to look for the positivity and, and, and things that light you up. Um, that to me is is a pursuit well yeah. worth doing. And, and I try and do that every day, whether I'm here at home and it's something as simple as cooking food, yeah. making a beautiful meal. There's so much that you can pour into that and so much that you can get out of that traveling the world I mean there nothing nothing beats seeing new places yeah. and being exposed to different people in different cultures I think if more people did that our world would be a much better place yeah there's something about connecting with other human beings and seeing the way they live and realizing that we have more similarities between us than we do differences I think um, there's nothing better to, to learn that and to experience that than traveling. Yeah. And then my girls, I mean, my, my, my family is really important to me and my husband and I, ever since they were babies, we've taken our girls on the majority of trips with us. And so spending time and being able to share that as a family yeah. is, is priceless. Yeah. I have to ask, do your girls paint or do you, or oh, they, do they, you know, <laughs> <laughs> do they not paint? Oh, <laughs> are, really? they, are they ever not creative? Yeah. They, both of them. Yeah. Both of them. And, and it's never been something that I've put on them. Yep. I've never been like, okay, it's time to paint, but they, they have their creative space. Like our Island is always full yeah. of, we have this big Island in our kitchen and that is their space. Yeah. So they have their space in my studio, but most of the time we're here in, yeah. in the open, like in, in the family room with the kitchen. And yeah. so I'll be cooking or, or doing something and they're always sitting there at the Island and they're drawing, they're yeah. sculpting, they use clay, they oh, uh, make cool. jewelry. They, I mean, they, yeah. children are amazing. They yeah. are, they are one of my biggest inspirations because they don't have any of that fear of or filters or, or filters yeah. or they don't have an inner critic yeah. questioning is this good is this not should I do it this way should I not yeah. and they are so free yeah they're so free and full of creative energy just you wait instead of stealing from your closet they're going to be stealing your <laughs> best art supplies downstairs you'll be like, where is my palette knife like <laughs> You know what they yeah. do? They do. Oh, my daughter just made birthday invitations. She's turning she's turning nine on the tenth, yeah. and she took a stack of really high quality watercolor paper to make, <laughs> to make her birthday invitations. And I just thought, oh, you know what? What better use for that paper yeah. than you know your ninth birthday party? Yeah. Well, it's but, like yeah. your grandmother saying, you know, it's got to be for really good. You know, these are very expensive paints. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, make something. Put put them to good use. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. 
Are, do you consider yourself a reader? Do you do you enjoy reading in your? I do. Yeah. And you know what? I I love to read. That's also something I've done ever since I was little. I love. It, there's so much creativity and yeah. imagination. Just takes you away into another world. I love reading. Now. Truth be told, since the birth of my two children and my full-time career, yeah. I, I don't always have the opportunity to sit down and read physical books. Yeah. However, I do paint for a minimum of eight hours a day. Sometimes yeah. it'll be a 16-hour day in the studio. And so I often listen to music, but I also listen to a lot of books on yeah. tape. Audiobooks are changing my life. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yes. Even driving yeah. in, in the car on long road trips. Yeah. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I find depending on what I'm listening to, it inspires my work. So I'm listening, you know, if I'm listening to this amazing fiction story, like I remember I was reading this book, listening to it like a beach town and life on the beach in the small, you know, people go there only in the summertime. And it was talking about the oceans and the sky and the, the feeling of this particular place. You know what? I was listening to that as I was doing one particular painting and I had to put that painting aside <laughs> and start one inspired by what I was hearing and the sights and the, yeah. the sounds of, of what was in this novel. Yeah. It was just so inspiring that it inspired a, a new painting. Yeah. And so um, so I listened to a lot of audiobooks, podcasts. And, and every now and again, the physical books I read are usually like parenting books yeah. or when I'm traveling. If I travel, I always have a hardcover yeah. book or like a hard copy. So what's the most inspiring or your favorite book you've read in the last couple of years? Oh, that's a good one. But you know what? Okay, so we went to Hawaii recently. It was at the end of last year. And I read Neil deGrasse Tyson, yeah. one of his books. Oh my goodness. I'm fascinated by astronomy and the universe and space and the discoveries. I find that so creative. I'm so inspired by that. So even though it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with art, but I find that so inspiring. So I'd say that one, you can see I have a universe book right there. I love it. (laughs) um, It's just, it allows me to think in different ways and it really gives you a new perspective that we are a tiny 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 particle in the universe yeah so um I like that that's great do you have a favorite quote or words that you live by (laughs) sounds like choose happiness is a big one yeah you know what one one of my very very favorite yoga teachers Dale Miles he he always says that happiness is a choice yeah and and I feel like I've been learning that all my whole life and it's something that I still work on like not every not every day. It's not easy all the time, but having that as sort of a mantra in the back of your mind really helps me work through the challenging times. Yeah. Yeah, Like choose like beauty. Beauty is what you make of it. You can find beauty and inspiration anywhere, whether you're talking about art or being creative or just in life. Yeah. You know, I think as a, as a mother, you, we've all had those days where, you know, we're at our wits end and the, nothing seems to be going right and we're running late. And then the blowout happens. And then the blowout (laughs) happens and you're just thinking, ah, you know, and then sometimes I find myself in the middle of that heated moment where you have a, the opportunity to just give up yeah. or just, but there's always that, that moment where you have that choice to just look and be appreciative for what you have, you know, that your children are alive and healthy and nothing else matters, yeah. right? Like it, it's okay if you're 15 minutes late and you'll get there eventually. It's like my, I mean, 
my toddler is in the middle of terrible twos and tantrums right now. (laughs) So much fun. But my favorite time of day is we call it couch cuddles in the morning while his oatmeal's cooling down and stuff. And he looks out the window and tells me everything he sees. And like, and then just the other morning, he just said, oh my goodness, mommy. Like, where did oh my goodness come from? This is not a (laughs) phrase that I say. And it's just those, and I'm trying very hard. It's not necessarily. Maybe it's not necessarily choose happiness, but choose to remember these moments these over moments. the tantrum. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And, and that's what it is. It's a life is a series is a collection of moments. And so yeah. if you can find the one good thing about yeah. the moment that you're in right now, over the course of a lifetime, all yeah. those little tiny moments that are often overlooked and seem so insignificant yeah. at the time, but that's what creates your life. Yeah. It's not like the, the weddings, the birth of children, the big promotion at work, like yeah. those, those events in, in relation to all of the little insignificant moments are so minute. Yeah. So why not invest in the, in the everyday, yeah. in the everyday moment, you'll have a much happier life, I think. So what's the best life lesson you've learned or advice that you've been given? Mm, that's a good one. Best life lesson. You know what? I hate to keep going back to the same thing, but <laughs> like, it, it's true. Like, I feel like that's a motto that uh, choose happiness. Happiness is a choice. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I think treat people with, with respect and equality. I feel everybody deserves the same opportunity, the same... We all have the same value that we're all similar, more similar than, than we yeah. are different. I think connecting with other human beings is, is what makes life so full and so joyful. Yeah. And, and gratitude. Oh my goodness. Gratitude. Yeah. Gratitude is something like, um, back from the days when I used to watch Oprah yeah. <laughs> on TV, like, right? Like now you listen to her podcast. Now I listen <laughs> to her podcast. That's right. But gratitude. And I find that's the, the, the key to fighting like depression or anxiety mm-hmm. or hard times is because it's easy to say choose happiness. Yeah. But when you're in the heat of a terrible time, it's it's almost impossible just to flip a switch and feel yeah. happy. Like how do you do that? And I've found through different lessons through yoga and meditation yeah. that the key from heartache or, or depression or anxiety or, or any of the negative emotions, the key crossing that builds a bridge over to happiness is gratitude so if you can find you know three things five things ten things that you can be thankful for right now then I mean it it shows you that life is worth living life is bigger than this one particular challenging moment that you're going through it's not always easy but I tell myself that almost on a daily basis and I can't remember where I heard it but I remember someone recently saying you can't be unhappy and grateful in the same moment yes yes yeah and so if you're if you're focusing on that what you're grateful for like it's just physically mentally impossible to be both at the same time yeah yeah and now my husband reminds me of that too so when I'm in a in a a crazy fit of something just go what are you grateful for he does and I'm like I'm not like I'm uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know because you have that like what am I grateful I'm not grateful for anything this is horrible my life is ending yeah you know I'm at my wits end and then you know you take a few deep breaths try and get back into this moment and relax a little bit and then I mean then the list of things that you're grateful for is infinite because you know and be specific like not I'm grateful to be alive you start with the big things but then you get very very specific and I mean I could go on forever yeah yeah so final question, Melissa, is what does it mean to you to live your best life? Oh, 
That's a good question too. <laughs> I, it's my I, Oprah question. Yeah, yeah. What does it mean to yeah. be to live your best life um, for you, not for anyone yeah. else? For you, for me, I mm, is f- finding more moments to be happy in the everyday. Yeah. It's like finding happiness in the everyday with my children. Um, watching them grow up is so. I mean, it flies. People always say that it flies by, and my oldest daughter is turning nine, and. Man, it does go by so fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they're young, you feel like when is, this is never going to end. You feel like you're you're doomed. You're you're going to be in this struggle forever. But then, in a blink of an eye, you realize how quickly time is passing. Yeah. And so, for me, it's spending time with people that I love, making artwork that I love, finding inspiration, traveling the world, learning new things. Like I love to learn. I love to read. I love to speak with other people and hear yeah. their ideas. And and that to me is what's what is fulfilling yeah. and to enjoy life, enjoy good food, enjoy good, good conversation, hot laugh. Like I love to yeah. laugh. I love, you know, when I meeting someone who's funny or witty and it's the joy, finding joy in life. Yeah. I think that's, that's the key. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here.